0: Hi everybody. Hi, everybody. This is John here. This is Paul, George, and Ringo. And we're very happy to be on your program once Hello,
1: again. Hello, everyone. This is Steve Marinucci, and I'm here with Candy Leonard, uh, uh, contributing editor to Beatle News Briefs. Hi, Candy.
0: Hey, Steve. How's it going?
1: Oh, it's going. It's going. I'm, and my voice sounds better. My voice well, sound I'm glad d-
0: that you're feeling better and um, sounding good. And we're going to do the thing, one of the most fun things in the world, which is to talk Talk about about
1: the Beatles. (laughs) Not exactly. We weren't exactly in unison there, but we're pretty close. Anyway, we'll get it right next time. We'll get it right next time. Anyway, we just passed the anniversary of the John Lennon quote that reverberated around the world back in the 60s that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. And I thought we would discuss that not really from a moment by moment, detail by detail perspective, because I think everybody knows what happened anyway, but I thought we'd talk about it from a little bit of a personal perspective because for the reactions that we each experienced or that we each knew about. And then from a uh, uh, society, sociological perspective, and how society as a as a whole took it. The thing, you know, it happened. It, it was a part of Maureen Cleves interview with him, in the Evening Standard. It was one paragraph All in right. a very long interview, which was really kind of astounding that it got pulled out, but it did, and it got it got criticized. I'll I'll just read a couple of i'll just read a couple of sentences he said christianity will go it will vanish and shrink i needn't argue about that i'm right and i will be proved right we're more more popular than jesus now i do not know which will go first rock and roll or christianity now that's not the whole quote but i'm not going to read the right whole
0: thing. we all need to go. yeah i mean yeah i mean in the uk you know that nobody batted an eyelash and in fact you I mean, we didn't even know about it here until
1: uh, datebook magazine
0: until yeah. datebook, and that was four months later in July. Right. So um, I don't know the backstory on how the datebook thing came about, but in any case, that was the piece that got picked up, and um, we know what happened.
1: <laughs> right. Um, well, I mean, as somebody who who was in who who went to a parochial school between the nuns and between you know going to church and my parents were very devout Catholics too. There was no support for John Lennon in my circle at all. Uh, now were, you were
0: already a um, an, a uh, passionate Beatle fan by then, and your parents obviously would have knew that, right?
1: Right, right. No, they knew they knew I you know they knew I liked the Beatles. Oh, yeah, did exactly. so, so? What was the
0: reaction in your family? Like, what did they well, say? Well, I
1: mean, it, you know, it was the same thing that I mean. Nobody, nobody, the establishment didn't really get it. I mean, you know, we saw the reaction, for example, in the South. I mean, that was basically he was he was condemned. Everybody, right? right. Ever,
0: well, apparently, a lot of that was. Um, you know, years later, it sort of came. I think it came to light that a lot of that was just kind of, you know, it was an ex- it was like these radio stations that started that that it was some portion of their drive was promotional that they wanted, you know, that it was an opportunity to. I mean, I think people in the South particularly were upset by it. So I'm, you know, so there was some. I guess, some genuine upsetness, but I think it, the, you know, it became a big publicity thing to bring well. your records, you know, but it, what, what is it, you know, I think, I'm sorry, but continue about how they reacted to what was really a, you know, pretty audacious thing to do in a way. I mean, not, not, not his, I mean the fact that he said, I mean, he, he was right. Okay. But the perception of it was that it was so, Oh my God! You know,
1: right? So
0: uh, yeah. So how how did that go down with your people?
1: Well, everybody. T- I mean, everybody took it literally. They they did not look beyond the words. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think every disc jockey picked up on it either. Some of them did, of course. But some of them didn't. Uh, even up.
0: A- what do you mean that disc jockeys who stopped playing records? You mean?
1: Well, no. I mean, I think there were there. Were, it was just because of the establishment back then. Right. In those days, was very uh, non-supportive um, of the youth movement. Unlike
0: right, right, absolutely. And Lenin, I think, by that time, was seen and rightly so. As, in effect, the leader of that movement, because, you know, by by the summer of 66, um, you had uh, Nowhere Man, you know, which I think was a very political song. You know, you, you started to see this kind of him, um, you know, he, he started to take on this different kind of role and 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 things he said started to I mean, true of all of them to some extent, but Lenin in particular and the. Um, you know so here you know and of course this two years of this right i mean i mean they evolved but like i think that these it was an opportunity to um try to stop this thing that was happening in the well,
1: and he was also considered the leader of the beatles which exactly was, which because, was another which was another reason why people went really uh strong on criticizing them and him, right
0: because see i you know I was thinking about it before, you know this is the the people who got really upset about that, or even those who saw it as' an, weren't really upset but saw it as an excuse to be upset, We see a lot of this today, this like you know faux anger, you know, mm-hmm. but I think that the thing behind that was that they, those people saw over the previous two years, (laughs) that the world was, you know, things were changing, especially around young people, and they saw where that came from, right, and they didn't like it, right, and they still don't like it now, you know, that, that segment, but, you know, they fear modernity, you know, they fear change, and, so Lennon was epitomized, you know, was sort of the, the totem of, you know, the, the symbol of the turmoil they saw around them that they didn't like with their kids and on TV and college campuses,
1: you know. What did you, what did you hear when you were putting uh, Beatles together from fans? What, did well, they, what were their remembrances? I,
0: yeah, I mean, people remember it. They wanted to knock Lennon and the Beatles down a peg. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, a young female fan born in 61 recalled people talking about the comment and she thought wow someone famous thinks they're more popular than god and then she says that was fascinating to a child and then at one church go okay this was one of my older interviewees this woman was born in 45 um she recalls her minister talking about it he- the beatles were a bad influence but as she saw it they were just free spirits who made you feel free and more like yourself. I mean, doesn't that really say it all? They were just, they're not a bad influence. They're just free spirits who made you feel free and more like yourself.
1: But that's not what a lot of people said back then. Oh, absolutely there, not. There were, there were very few people that, that picked up on that back then. I mean, looking back on it now, sure, but that's not what happened back then. I mean, he was he was so roundly... You know he, he was condemned, and in fact, a friend of oh, mine, yeah. my a close friend of mine, and, and uh, Joe Caldwell. I hope you're listening. Was at that Memphis show when that firecracker went off. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and he uh, and he he, he he we talked about this uh, um, uh, more than a couple of times, and he remembers. And he said everybody just freaked out, and he said you know the Beatles just kind of looked at each other and. You know, were terrified. And right. I mean, the
0: tension just... in that arena must have just been, you know,
1: unbelievable. Right. Yeah, and you can ima- you can imagine what that must have been, not only for for the for the fans who heard that loud boom. Which, by the way, that concert is on is circulating. You can if you haven't heard it, you can look around I for it. I
0: think I've seen clips of that
1: portion. Yeah, and the, I think John I think... sort of flinches, like he kind of. Mm-hmm. It's probably on YouTube. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised.
0: I think that, you know, they they were really. And if you think back to 1966, I mean, that was really you start to see the, you know, real uh, generation gap stuff starting. and, And that was a very big narrative in the media at the time. And and, you know, recreational drugs were starting to seep into the suburbs so you know and and lennon just you know it all he seemed to you know he was a really good symbol of that for those people who felt things were changing and if you you know i think about this now people who say oh you know i want my country back you know or you know not so much now because that means something else but Mm -hmm. um the people you know like you know there's in the anyway, I don't. Maybe we don't want to get into politics, but this people who people want to go back to a pre-Beatle America. That's the point I want to make. Like when people say, "Oh, when were things good?" Like what you know, make America great. When was it great? It was great in a pre-Beatle America. You know, mm-hmm. pre-John Lennon. You know, mm,
1: I'm not sure I agree with you completely with that because uh, well, I
0: mean, obviously it's it's a broad brush. But the the point mm-hmm. that I'm is that. They, they look at the turmoil of the 60s as, as when things, in their view, things started to get bad, okay, and okay. So they want to go back before that. And so in my view, I mean, that gets back to the Beatles and Lennon in particular.
1: And what's really ironic in that Maureen Cleave article is that she mentions the, uh, of a couple of things that he owns or owned.
0: Yes, he owned, yes, she describes all his toys.
1: Well, he owned no, no, no. He owned a uh, a huge Roman Ca- Roman Catholic crucifix.
0: Oh, right, right, right. I thought and I am thinking about didn't he like a suit of armor? And right.
1: also and he and he also owned a Bible.
0: Yes, he was very. I mean, I don't know that he was religious, but he was certainly no. spiritual, and he was intellectually curious, and he wanted to learn about religion, and read a lot of. Didn't he read, supposedly read the Passover plot right before that interview? I think think, think he
1: did. Yeah. And he was, he was definitely an intellectual. I mean, um, uh, that, that much we know just, you know, in general from, from from his life. But yeah, he was, he was very intellectual. But I think,
0: you know, the, the reaction to that comment too, was that he was obviously smart. And. You know, the, the veracity of his comments is also or even that snippet, which, of course, was misconstrued and, and taken out of context and all that. But the 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 fact that what he that snippet is true also added was true at that moment also added to their um You know, anger over it because they didn't want to, you know, as Dylan said, your sons and your daughters are beyond your command, you know, and they didn't want to acknowledge this. And so, again, he was a great target.
1: Without getting too heavily into politics, I wonder how many people or what the reaction is today generally among people going back and remembering that saying, you know, thinking was – Was I mean? Do they get? Do most people get it now? I would think that they do, but uh, there's. What do you mean?
0: Get it? I'm not sure what you mean. Get
1: what he? What he actually meant? You know that he wasn't totally serious there. You know that he was being. You know a little. uh, He he was speaking kind of in um, non-literal terms for what he what he was saying. Um, Oh, I
0: don't know. I'm not sure. I would agree with
1: that. Why?
0: You're talking about what Lennon said in the interview?
1: Yes, absolutely. Well,
0: I think, I mean, the way he says it is that he was like, you know, like the whole concept of Beatles was different to them. So he could look, be speaking as John Lennon and be talking about the Beatles sort of out there, which he sort of claimed to have been doing, right? You know, like Beatles as a thing or whatever. But um, I think he was. I think he knew what he was saying, and I, I think he probably didn't think it was true at the time. It was obvious. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I think he, I mean, again, like, this is not to say he's anti-religion or anything, but I, I think that, see, to, he thought about this stuff all the time. He, you know, he was John Lennon. And right. so he just threw that out there as a tidbit. Oh, yeah, you know, look at it right now. Like, we're bigger than Jesus, right? No, like, you could just imagine him just throwing that out there, right? Well, I
1: don't, I don't think he was boasting. No, oh, not at all.
0: No, not at all. I agree with you. He was not voted, but I think it was just an observation that he had.
1: You yeah, know. because I think he was looking at society in general yeah. and the way the Beatles were being adored by society and saying, wait a minute, you guys, I think you're taking this a little too seriously. Well,
0: that's right. And, and I think that they did by 66. You know, I mean, being bigger than Elvis and making some money and getting women had become something much bigger than anybody had imagined. You mm-hmm. know, and uh, I think they didn't know what to make of it. I think that Lenin, all his life, I, I think felt some not burden, but like he di- he didn't know what to make of fame or how right. to use it. You know,
1: right. And I think I think that comment helped put them into a little better perspective in well help society see you know in a a, a better way you know exactly what was going on you know where entertainment belonged that you know that maybe religion deserved a little more you know serious uh, serious importance even though even though the Beatles themselves weren't religious they were they were not no, um, they absolutely were not.
0: No, but, they weren't.
1: But even they recognized. Um, I, I guess they. I guess they were all agnostics. Rather, I'm, I don't think they were atheists. In fact, that's I,
0: probably I, true. Yeah.
1: I would think. I would think they were all agnostics. But they, uh, at least. I mean, maybe not. Maybe not George. Uh, but I would. You know. Well,
0: by the end, he certainly wasn't.
1: Hmm. But they they realized that that uh, society in general was looking as, at the Beatles as a commodity and as a you know and worshiping the Beatles yes yeah. far yeah. in a far greater uh, way than they than they should have and
0: uh, so right. right and I think that that they more than they should have. Although, I mean, I think that's true, but then sort of begs the question, well, what would they, what did in their opinion, what did they think people should be paying attention? I guess they've kind of answered that in their, in, in their music,
1: perhaps. Right. But, Exa- um, yeah, exactly. I think, I think you can find all sorts of answers to that. Right. In, so
0: I, I think yeah. that he saw it, you know, he was looking at it sort of as a sociologist, but I think that he was also personally deeply affected by it, I think, because he didn't sign on for this.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But- and by 66 you know I always talk about how you know Dylan had been called the voice of a generation and all that but by 66 like Dylan had you know he he was sort of kind of out of the the off the landscape a little bit by then and the Beatles really filled that space of you know they had a much bigger megaphone than dylan ever had too um and there was this kind of um what i call almost like a passing of the baton i mean not that dylan ever embraced that label either but he was right so
1: i don't don't you know just thinking of uh, thinking of what you just said i don't know that anybody in the 60s i'm trying to think did anybody in the 60s have a bigger megaphone than they did?
0: No, never in the history of the world, Steve. Ever, ever, ever. Think ever, ever,
1: ever. Well, I don't well, know about yes. ever, 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 okay, but here's,
0: I... okay. Here's the thing. think about the uh, technology, the evolution of technology, mm-hmm. the ability of people to, you know, the whole evolution of mass communication. Okay. And I maintain that the Beatles had the biggest platform that any communicator ever had in the history of the world
1: okay all right I, 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 if you,
0: I, if you break, a, I really i stand by it
1: there it's hard to argue. i No, i agree it's hard to argue with that um, because
0: if you look at the demographics the size of the broad swath of the population that was engaged with them nonstop for six years it's not only here this is all over the world right mm-hmm. we've you no, know, so this is so many people being communicated to with the same message at the same time by the same person with no adults involved. This never right. happened. I mean, this is like it, it, it was unheard of. Mm-hmm. You
1: know, mm-hmm.
0: and I think they knew. I mean, you know, I think that on some gut level, they I believe they knew that. And so while. Lenin's comment was sort of a comment about the state of the world. I think in his gut, I think he recognized that he had an a, a, an un, a historically unprecedented uh, size audience.
1: There's, you know, something else I was just thinking about the f- the way he was pressured. I'm not going to say forced, but pressured into apologizing for that. I mean, he almost, I re- if you remember his comment, you I know, do where where, where he said that to the press, I mean, he almost, his his reaction, or his having to say that, I think, really kind of bothered him a lot. Some well, teenagers have said, that, have repeated your statements
0: that the Beatles, I like the Beatles more than Jesus Christ. What do you think about that?
1: Well, originally I was,
0: I was pointing out that fact in reference to England, that we meant more to kids than Jesus did or religion at that time. I wasn't knocking it or putting it down, I was just saying it as a fact and it sort of it is true especially more for England than here you know right. but I'm not saying that we're better or greater or comparing us with Jesus Christ as a person or God as a thing or whatever it is you know I would just said what I said and it was wrong or was taken wrong and now it's all this
1: I really yeah w- th-
0: I think he probably felt it was selling out a little bit but you know he did it for the sake of his mates because they were not going to be able to move forward if he didn't
1: right right so but uh, yeah yeah you know that brian you know was behind that and they yeah you
0: know, yeah they, i mean they, i think that he ultimately you know it actually as i'm thinking about it now it reminds me of his decision making around letting paul into the band right not was really it, was it yeah was it or was it george no i think it was with paul maybe okay yes it was paul he met paul he liked paul right yeah, which book? I mean, I, think I read it in a couple of places where he realized, you know, he he. I mean, he, I think he he felt slightly threatened because he saw what he what Paul brought to the table, but he recognized the value of it and overcame mm-hmm. his insecurity about it. You know, that he was handsome or more talented or more music, whatever. I and never, I he, never,
1: I never picked up that it was that much of an insecurity thing. I mean, I think he he recognized what Paul, what Paul brought, but i never...
0: Well, I don't mean, in other words, that there would be this kind of... You know, he, insecure, he, I think he maybe felt a little bit threatened or that there'd be a competitor or somebody. He may mm-hmm. not be the most talented guy in the room anymore. You know? Oh, I
1: see. Okay.
0: That kind of thing. And so I... But yet he saw the greater good. And so that um, came to mind now because I'm thinking about his apology, right? And I think it was that same mindset where it's like, I need to do this because mm-hmm. it's. I have, I have to get over myself here and do this thing. You know?
1: Yeah. Another another thing about the apology is the way, you know, is is the whole that whole reaction of the uh, or his having to do that apology versus some of the apologies that celebrities have had to do today.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I haven't thought about that. How, how would you describe the difference?
1: Well, it depends on the apologies. I mean, there's been some there's been some nasty things that far out far outweighed what he did. But those right. th- those don't compare. Those don't com- even compare. But I mean, all the celebrity you know, all the celebrity things that happen all the time. I mean, I'm, you know.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think of an analogy where a celebrity you know even any time since 1966 where a celebrity said something that caused such a brouhaha. I I mean, nothing really comes to mind.
1: No, we could probably, uh, I, I'm not going to. I mean, you
0: know, actually, Googling you know what this. I thought of was Shanae O'Connor on SNL when she tore up the picture of the Pope.
1: Okay. That's All a right? good, that's a good, that's a good
0: I mean, parallel. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm scanning my files. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> no, that's a good, that's a good, you know, that's a good off the top.
0: And she got a lot of flack for that.
1: And she never recovered
0: no yes. she never did well she, i think she had lots of issues beyond that but yeah i mean but she sure. got a lot of it, it, it you know but it was a big deal you know it, it didn't rise to what happened with lenin but it was you know it was quite it was you know a thing
1: mm-hmm. i'm trying
0: yeah. to think if there are any others i don't know
1: yeah bill
0: oh, gibson uh, i mean this okay so this is kind of a whole vein of things where you have uh, you know, revealing an overheard conversation or didn't Mel Gibson in some years, like 10, 20 years ago, some com- comment about Jews. That was like, he got a lot of.
1: Yeah. Um, and then, right. And there was also, um, what's his name? That was on um, Seinfeld. Uh, the guy who played Cosmo on Seinfeld. Right. When he, when he said the prejudice, but see, that that's a different, that's right. a whole different. They're, they're, they're not. Yeah. I, They're not really the same. Well,
0: the other thing is that, you know, nobody had, I mean, in a way, there's, I mean, like many things about the Beatles, it's hard to find analogies because they're not really analogous to anything.
1: Right. And and again, (laughs) like there's
0: no celebrity that had that kind of stature that he had.
1: And again, we're talking about a different era. I mean, it's probably not even, it's probably not even legitimate to bring up the whole anything anyway, because that was then, this is now. And and yeah. the two errors don't don't match up.
0: So. But I think that the whole incident, you know, the whole uh, kerfuffle about it, it's a great way. If you want to use the word kerfuffle, this is a really good. <laughs> reminds point. me
1: of, that reminds me of W. C. Fields when you say that. But go ahead, because he he used that he used that word in um, in one of his movies. But go ahead.
0: It's a great underused word, and this is a really good. Anyway, um, oh, the whole Jesus affair. Otherwise known yeah. as Jesus Christ, it really, in a sense, is a snapshot of the culture in that moment. In mm-hmm. many ways, you
1: mm-hmm. know. Oh yeah, it, uh, it, you know it, the other thing was, that it, it, I'm sorry go ahead. It was. It, it really was because of the way society reacted, and you know they didn't they 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 didn't get it, and they didn't want they didn't want to get it. You know they they they. they it was a lightning reaction. It was a very quick reaction and it was only going to go one way for the Beatles. There wasn't going to be any way that yeah. anybody was, I mean, you could almost call it. Um, no, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it trolling because that's what it wasn't. That wasn't his intention. He was, he was sincere in the comment, but you know, it was a, a very, it was the type of react uh, type of statement that was going to get Bad reaction back in those days.
0: So. Oh, definitely. And you know, the other thing that happened—I uh, talk about this in *Beatleness*—is that a few months before, on the cover of *Time* magazine, I don't know if you remember this. Um, I'm betting, um, there was this very red, this red and black, very graphic. Wasn't there was no picture? It was just this. I believe it was a back black background with red letters, something like this. Is God dead?
1: I remember that. I do remember that.
0: Yeah, I would urge listeners to um, just Google Time Magazine is God dead, and you'll see this picture. And what's interesting about this, too, and and it's hard to um, explain to younger people about magazines,
1: Mm -hmm. you know,
0: how important they were, right? Mm -hmm. So you get this Time Magazine, which is basically questioning religion, right? And then you also had in 62 – the Supreme Court said you can, you know, no more prayer in public school. Right. I think that's some of the response. You know, I think some of the, these things are maybe baked into that response.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You
0: remember that magazine cover?
1: Yes, I do. Very, very much. Very Did much
0: your parents so. have any comments about it since they were?
1: We didn't, I you know, I don't think my parents had a subscription to Time at the, at, at the time, but mm-hmm. I do remember. I mean, you couldn't. It, I remember it being plastered all over the newscasts, so yeah,
0: it was a big deal.
1: It was, it was a big deal. So, but it, it that didn't. I'm surprised that didn't happen after um, John's comment, rather than before. But.
0: Well, it was a coincidence, but but the point, but it was in the air, you know. It was, mm-hmm. I mean, it was really a time of, you know, it was. I mean, the whole decade was, but by sixty six, things started getting a little edgy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's for sure. That, that's definitely for sure, and it got it got crazier as the decade went on.
0: Yeah, I noticed this, when I was working on the book for each section, I would immerse myself in the music of that year. Mm-hmm. So I made these playlists for you know 64 through through 70, and I remember you know and I would listen to them and sort of study them and like what was different, what's the vibe, and I remember having just noticing that the the difference in between 65 and 66 was significant. I think you know oh, there yeah. was. You know which, I, and I would describe it as kind of more edgy, more tense.
1: Well, that was also when psychedelics right. started coming in, too. And that made a that made a I mean, there were all sorts of um, all sorts of things happening in music at that point. Um, so that's not, yeah, that would explain some of that, too. But,
0: yeah, well, the drugs, the impact of drugs on the music is. You know, I mean, it, it, for a long time, it was not talked about, um, which I think, you know, I'm glad that it is now, because I think it's a really important part of the story that for whatever reason, didn't get a lot of attention. Hmm. Anyway,
1: thank you, Candy.
0: Well, this was fun, as always.
1: As always, and we will do it again and hang in there, folks, I will have a, a new segment. So stand by. Okay, here's a quick bit of news. Variety reported this week that the story of the British film studio Handmade Films, which was founded by George Harrison and made such movies as Monty Python's Life of Brian, will be told in an accidental studio, a feature documentary from AMC UK that will be run on its international networks. It will premiere on the British Channel on May 4th, and on AMC channels internationally, including the United States later in the year. It has never before seen interviews with key players, and George Harrison will be seen in archive interview footage. From the Billboard charts for March 9th, we have a different-than-usual report this week because Claypool Lennon Delirium's South of Reality album has entered the charts and has shown up in several places. On the Billboard 200, Uh, South of Reality entered at number 88. Also on that chart, the Beatles' Abbey Road is 153, down from 138, and Beatles' 1 is 160, down from 131. On the catalog albums, Abbey Road is number 40, down from 35, and Beatles' 1 is number 43, down from 31. On the Artist 100, Claypool Lennon Delirium is at number 70. And the Beatles are at number 76, down from 66 last week. On the vinyl 25, at number 2, Claypool Lennon Delirium is uh, there. The uh, Beatles Abbey Road is at number 9, down from number 7, and re entering the chart is Sgt. Pepper at number 21. On the digital 25, Claypool Lennon Delirium uh, South of Reality is uh, has entered the chart at number 22. From the official charts in the UK dated March 8th on the top 100 albums, Beatles' one is 92, down from 84. And I th- believe we mentioned this already, but Paul McCartney has announced that he is reissuing Professor Longhair live at the, on the Queen Mary on Harvest Records on April 5th. This is a 1975 performance originally issued by Paul and Linda McCartney. So, we've come to the end of another show. Thank you yes, again, Candy. We
0: have.
1: Yes, we have. Thank you again, Candy.
0: Well, thank you. It's a lot of fun because we love talking okay. about
1: the Beatles. Oh. <laughs> we're going to get that. We're going to we're going to rehearse we'll this we'll get it right. right we'll something it.
0: to strive for.
1: Buy our book bu- buy our books. <laughs> oh, buy her great. buy her book, definitely. We'll um, buy the book, definitely. Be- beetle- beetleness. Buy my book, Meet a Monkey Davy Jones. It's available, uh, they're both av- available in ebook form on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and hers is available in print on, on Amazon and Barnes and Noble.
0: And if you buy Beetle Nest, buy the paperback. And I, I'll say to you, I know a lot of authors might not say this, but the book, I'm very proud to say, got a nice review in the library journal. So if you want to read it but don't want to buy it, There's a very good chance you can get it from your library.
1: If people wanted to get a signed copy of your book, how can they do that?
0: Well, they could order one from Porter Square Bookstore in Cambridge, Massachusetts. They're wonderful people, locally owned and operated forever. Um, So Porter Square Books. And so if you order it there, they will call me in to sign it and then they will ship it to you.
1: Okay, so look up Porter Square Books online and order the book through them. Or
0: you can even do it the old-fashioned way and
1: call them. They're very nice. Okay. That's a good idea. Anyway, thanks again for listening, everyone. We're available on Podbean, YouTube, Google Play, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back when the news hits because that's what we do. (laughs) That's what we do. So, that's speaking, speak, so. that's what we do. Speaking for Candy Leonard and Steve Marinucci, we will say. You're seeing him. You.
0: that one market fab